Welcome to the Pater the Water Dog Saves the Planet Peace Podcast. As we continue in these episodes that I'm calling a nature piece, P-E-A-C-E, I am going to start with some writings by John Muir. We will eventually get into some readings that are specifically about peace but many of the readings will be about nature in general, which is inherently peaceful. Um, I suppose if you're in the middle of a big nature event (laughs) of some kind, it might be less peaceful than uh, reading about nature. But I think in starting with these John Muir writings, Uh, We'll get a good feel for what this might be all about. And we're just getting started, so we'll see where this goes. But I know I'm going to enjoy reading these, and I hope you'll enjoy it too. This piece is called Mountain Sculpture in the series Studies in the Sierra. In the beginning of the long glacial winter, the lofty Sierra seems to have consisted of one vast undulated wave in which a thousand separate mountains with their domes and spires, their innumerable canyons and lake basins lay concealed. In the development of these, the master builder chose for a tool, not the earthquake nor lightning to rend and split asunder, not the stormy torrent nor eroding rain, but the tender snow flowers noiselessly falling through unnumbered seasons, the offspring of the sun and sea. If we should attempt to restore the range to its pre-glacial unsculptured condition, its network of profound canyons would have to be filled up together with all its lake and meadow basins and every rock and peak however lofty, would have to be buried again beneath the fragments which the glaciers have broken off and carried away. Careful study of the phenomena presented warrants the belief that the unglaciated condition of the range was comparatively simple, yet the double summits about the head of Kern River and Lake Tahoe and the outlying spurs of Hoffman and Merced would appear to indicate the primary existence of considerable depressions and elevations. Even these great features, however, may be otherwise accounted for. All classes of glacial phenomena are displayed in the Sierra on the grandest scale, furnishing unmistakable proof of the universality of the ice sheet beneath whose heavy folds all her sublime landscapes were molded. Her ice winter is now nearly ended, and her flanks are clothed with warm forests, but in high latitudes north and south, and in many lofty mountains, it still prevails with variable severity. Greenland and the lands near the South Pole are undergoing glaciation of the most comprehensive kind, 
and present noble illustrations of the physical and climatic conditions under which the Sierra lay when all the sublime pages of her history were sealed up. The lofty Himalaya, the Alps, and the mountains of Norway are more open, their glacial covering having separated into distinct glaciers that flowed down their valleys like rivers, illustrating a similar glacial condition in the Sierra when all her valleys and canyons form channels for separate ice rivers. These have but recently vanished, and when we trace their retiring footsteps back to their fountains among the high summits, we discover small residual glaciers in considerable numbers, lingering beneath cool shadows, silently completing the sculpture of the summit peaks. The transition from one to the other of these different glacial conditions were gradual and shadow-like. When the great cycle of icy years was nearly accomplished, the glacial mantle began to shrink along the bottom. Domes and crests rose like islets above its white surface. Long dividing ridges began to appear and distinct glacier rivers flowed between. These gradually became feeble and torpid. Frost-enduring carices and hardy pines pushed upward along every moraine and sun-warmed slope, closing steadily upon the retreating glaciers, which, like shreds of summer clouds, at length disappeared from the young and sunny landscapes. We can easily understand that an ice sheet hundreds or thousands of feet in thickness slipped heavily down the flanks of a mountain chain, will wear its surface unequally, according to the varying hardness and compactness of its rocks. But these are not the only elements productive of inequalities. Glaciers do not only wear and grind rocks by slipping over them as a tool wears the stone upon which it is wetted. They also crush and break, carrying away vast quantities of rock, not only in the form of mud and sand, but of splinters and blocks from a few inches to 40 or 50 in diameter. The whole mass of the Sierra, as far as our observation has reached, is built up of brick-like blocks, whose forms and dimensions are determined chiefly by the degree of development of elected planes of cleavage, which individualize them and make them separable from one another while yet forming undisturbed parts of the mountain. The force which binds these blocks together is not everywhere equal. Therefore, when they are subjected to the strain of glaciers, they are torn apart in an irregular and indeterminate manner, giving rise to endless variety of rock forms. The granite in some portion of the range is crumbling like meal by the decomposition of its feldspar throughout the mass, but the greater portion has suffered scarcely any disintegration since the close of the glacial period. These harder areas display three series of cleavage or separating places, two nearly vertical, the other horizontal, which when fully developed, divide the rock into nearly regular parallelopipeds. The effect of this separable structure upon the glacial erodibility of rocks will be at once appreciated. In order that we may know how mountain chains are taken apart, 
it is important that we first learn how they are put together. And now that we have ascertained the fact that the Sierra, instead of being a huge wrinkle of the Earth's crust without any determinate structure, is built up of regularly formed stones like a work of art, we have made a great advance in our mountain studies. We may now understand the scripture, He bathed, builded the mountains, as not merely a figurative, but a literal expression. Thank you for joining me for the Pedro the Water Dog Peace Podcast. Until next time, sit with yourself in silence every day. That's self with a capital S. We are all scholars of peace. Peace and love to you all. Podcast music is Dalai Lama Riding a Bike by Javier Peque Rodriguez. A link to his music on Spotify and Bandcamp are in the show notes. Support messages of peace in the planet by joining my Patreon for as little as a cup of coffee per month at patreon.com. Just search Avis Kalbspeck or Pedro the Water Dog to find me. Pedro the Water Dog Saves the Planet books 1 through 5 are available at all your favorite online bookstores or at avaskalfspec.com. Book One, One More Year is available as an audiobook on all the audiobook sites with the other books coming soon to audio. If you enjoyed this episode or are at least curious about the future ones, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thank you again. Listen for the peace.